It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Today on the show, what could have been always a hot take and Olsen's on the struggle bus. It's all next. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Hitting Hard is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We ask you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you ever listen to your podcast. You can get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard as soon as they become available. Give us a uh, look-see on the SiriusXM app and then follow me on my Twitter page at JMCH316. So Pro Football Focus had their list of the top 25 players under 25 entering the NFL season for this upcoming year, 2023 NFL season. Top 25 under 25. And the Falcons did have some players on that list. So coming in at number 20 was Drake London. Coming in at number 21 was Kyle Pitts. And coming in at number 22 was A.J. Terrell. And you say, okay, that's pretty good that we have three players in the top 20 or 25, I should say, top 25 that were, you know, the best players under 25. But you go to the top of the list, right? So we were 20, 21, and uh, 22. Head to the top of the list. Who's number one? Micah Parsons. Who's number, let's see here, where did he fall? He was number, who's number, let's see, I'm trying to find, uh, oh, number 13 was Panay Sewell. So Panay Sewell came in at 13, and Micah Parsons come in one. Now, let me see. Um, in 2020, could we have drafted either one of those guys? Huh. Okay. Uh, yeah, we drafted Kyle Pitts instead. Now, I've I've kind of teased about this before, okay? But this could be one of the great what-ifs. I, I like Kyle Pitts as a player, okay? But his influence and impact on games hasn't been nearly what Panay Sewell or Micah Parsons would have been. And I wanted Panay Sewell in my mock draft in 2020. I think the only three players that made sense for the Falcons to draft were Parsons, Sewell, and Pitts. That was the only three guys that, for what the Falcons needed, <clears throat> would have made sense for the Falcons to draft. And we chose Kyle Pitts. Now, look, if Kyle Pitts becomes Travis Kelsey and he can influence a game, that's all great. But right now, the guys that are influencing the game more, partly because of where they play, partly because of how good that they are, are Micah Parsons and Panay Sewell. You, you don't think for a second that our defense wouldn't be drastically better if we just plopped Micah Parsons right in and he's done the things that he has done. Well, but we had to coach him and all that kind of stuff. Some guys are naturally great, 
you you think that you think that Micah Parsons is great because he's got Dan Quinn coaching him? Is that really what you're going to tell me? Is that really what you're going to sell me? One of the worst head coaches in the league in the last handful of years that he's a guy who's able to capture the magic of Micah Parsons. I, look, Dan's a good defensive coordinator. Uh, no doubt about that. Okay. But when Dan was, you know, or I should say when Seattle was building the Legion of Boom and all that kind of stuff, Dan was down in Gainesville, Florida. It had nothing to do with all that. He walked into a situation where, oh, okay, I got a Super Bowl champion to, to coach. And look, he did some good things, but Dan Quinn is by no means any kind of great coach. Micah Parsons is an, a special talent, an elite talent, <clears throat> one of the better pass rushers that we've seen in the entirety of the NFL, maybe since Lawrence Taylor came in the league. He's a unique cat. Panay Sewell has been outstanding. He's been a terrific offensive tackle. And again, my plan was to go back in time. If you'd have drafted Panay Sewell at number four, you'd have played him for a couple of years at right tackle. Then you'd have seen about whether or not Jake Matthews was losing a step or not. Then you could have flip-flopped those two guys. You could have put Jake on the right, Sewell on the left, and then you could have also kicked McGarry inside to see if he was a guy that could play guard. And if, if you had two years to evaluate him at that point, and then you could have evaluated whether or not he could play guard in the NFL. And if not, you didn't pick up his fifth year option. You could have let him go. And, and you'd still been in the same situation that you are now, except we'd have been better at tackle. And I like McGarry and I wanted to sign him. But if I could have had my options of drafting Panay Sewell first, and then kick McGarry inside. Maybe I solved two positions at once, but I know I'm better at tackle. And I could have found out what I had in McGarry for two years. So again, all this domino effect. Again, Kyle Pitts is not a bad player. It's not a matter of he was a bad draft pick for this team or what have you. But what could have been. And these are the decisions when you make this organ, you know, when you make these kinds of picks for your organization or you make these kinds of decisions within your organization that they drastically change. Again, Michael Parsons is a, a uh, he's a big part of the reason why Dallas has been really good the last couple of years. You can tell me about, oh, well, they had running backs and wide receivers and all that kind of stuff. Okay, well, those guys weren't all that good. I mean, they were good players, but they didn't influence the game. Michael Parsons is out there changing up the game. And we don't, we desperately needed one of those guys on our defense over the last couple of years. So again, I like Kyle Pitts and, and yes, it's nice that, you know, we have the 20, you know, 20th player under 25, 21st player, 22nd, but what could have been, we might've had the best player under 25 in the NFL. That's what changes games. That's what changes the course of your franchise direction. That's the guys that when you hit your wagon to take you up and over the top, right? It's the great what if, you know, I like the pieces that we have, but at some point, Kyle Pitts has got to be Travis Kelsey. You can't draft a guy at number four and tell me, well, he's a good blocker. What? Huh? What? Well, well, he had 1,026 yards in his rookie year, oh, okay, in 17 games. What does that average out to? Well, he had a couple of touchdowns in his rookie year. Oh, okay, 
Um, he's got as many touchdowns for his career as Michael Pruitt does. Okay. All right. Great. I know I'm, I'm kind of ragging on pits, but this is more about the organizational choices of this franchise. You know, it's not really hard folks. It, it really isn't hard to understand why we haven't had a winning season in five years. This is not specifically about Kyle Pitts. This is about the philosophy of our organization and not having players that impact the football game where it's impacted most, where you win or lose it most. And, and that's, for one, sacking the quarterback. I mean, there are, there are obviously quarterback play, offensive line play, but sacking the quarterback. And I've gone through all the numbers for years and, and, and given you every kind of number imaginable. But, you know, again, when you when you don't make those kinds of organizational picks, then you flounder around and say, well, you know, because, again, you could have drafted Micah Parsons. It didn't matter if you were in cap purgatory or whatever. Wouldn't have mattered what, what you were. Wouldn't have mattered what your cap status was or we can't sign players and all that kind of stuff. You could have a draft pick. Could have had a guy drafted number four. Same spot that we took Kyle Pitts. It's just frustrating because you look through – and you give the big what ifs. What if we'd have had Micah Parsons on our roster? What if we'd have Panay Sewell? We could have fixed our offensive line, and we could have been, again, without paying McGarry, we could have had a cheap option at right tackle or left tackle, whatever it was going to be. It's the great what ifs when you get into where your organization is at. And look, I like Pitts, but at some point, he's got to be the best at his position. He's got to have that breakout year. 100 catches, 1,400 yards, dozen touchdowns. Sorry. I, I mean, if you're going to live up to the hype, then I, I've got to, you know, if you're going to live up to unicorn status, then I've got to have those kinds of numbers influence in a football game week in, week out for this team. All right, let's talk about our friends over at Built Bar. This episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Listen, everybody's trying to eat healthier this year, right? We're trying to clean our diet up. We're looking for snacks that are high quality. Low-carb, low-sugar, high-protein types of snacks, right? Built Bar's got you covered. It's only 130 calories per bar, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, but a whopping 17 grams of protein. And they're always coming out with new flavors every single month, so you can always try a wide variety of different flavors. But now we've got a couple of options for you as to how you can buy them. You can go to Built.com and go on the website, pick out your box of Built Bars, put your order in, wait for them to be shipped, and then they're delivered right to your door. Or you can go to the pharmacy section of Walmart now, grab them right off the shelf, or you can go to Sam's Club and grab you a box of Built Bars right off the shelf as well. So whatever way you decide, brick-and-mortar route, online route, Built Bars got you covered. You don't want to get outside? Great. You want to just order online? Great. You want to go to the store? Great. You can have them either way. Try Built.com today. Try Built Bars today. 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and those 17 grams of protein. You'll be happy that you did. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy 
of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. So Chris Sims, uh, you know, is one of these guys that, you know, we we put him in the hot take category, right? So recently here, he was, um, I, I guess, I don't I don't even know what, what platform that he was on. Uh, I think he does a podcast and he does some things with, um, with Mike Florio and things like that. So recently he had a comment when talking about Desmond Ritter. And he said that, quote, I look at Ritter as almost like a poor man's Ryan Tannehill and what he did for Tennessee and Arthur Smith. Now, that's probably the ultimate backhanded compliment that could be paid to a guy. And I, I, I understand where he's coming from in all this, right? I mean, because we didn't learn a whole lot about Desmond Ritter. I mean, let's face it. I mean, we, we learned some things. And we found out that every week that he played, he got better and better and better. But that still doesn't know that, or still shouldn't say that that it translates to what the future success is going to be of Desmond Ritter. Maybe he'll be a flop. Maybe he'll be the best quarterback of all time when all is said and done. So I, I understand what Chris Sims is trying to say, but it was a very backhanded compliment. And yes, Ryan Tannehill was a nice game manager, right? When he came out of college, he was a converted wide receiver at Texas A&M and was quarterback, drafted high, first-round draft pick and all that, and never lived up to the billing, right? Desmond Ritter Desmond Ritter was always a quarterback, and, and he's a winner. There, there, there are a myriad of differences between what Ryan Tannehill was coming out of, you know, who had been, what, one year at quarterback at Texas A&M coming into the league. And, and, you know, they looked at his talent and looked at his athletic upside and all this kind of stuff. There's a difference, though. Desmond Ritter's a winner. You know, Des, Desmond Ritter is a guy that was a big-time winner at his collegiate program. And I think that's the real difference, that, that it's not about arm strength or, you know, accuracy or things like that yeah those are all important aspects but when I look at a Desmond Ritter versus a Ryan Tannehill I look at a guy that I think's a winner and look he was two and two down the stretch so say what you will about what Desmond Ritter could be or what he was or this that, and the other but he did get us to two and two over the last four games that's not a bad mark for a guy making his first four starts in the entirety of the NFL so while I understand what Chris Sims is trying to say, that's a real backhanded compliment to, and, and maybe even a little bit of a slap to what Desmond Ritter is. Do I think Desmond Ritter is MVP caliber, all pro, Pat Mahomes? <clears throat> no. But do I think that Desmond Ritter could be a really good quarterback? And he's got that one intangible skill, that one skill that, 
separates a lot of quarterbacks with all the athletic ability, arm strength, accuracy, and things like that. The guy's a winner. And, and that's the thing that I look at, and I keep circling back to this about Desmond Ritter, is that I think he's a winner. I, I think he's a guy who can lead his team and, and lead his team to victory and do big things for this club. I don't care where he was drafted. I don't care what his athletic profile says, what kind of metric numbers. I don't care what his bench press was, things like that. You know, Joe Montana wasn't a very um, gifted physical specimen, right? Yeah, he had good arm strength. Yeah, he had good accuracy. But what was the intangible for Joe Montana? He was a winner. He was a guy who could be clutch in the biggest moments. One of, the, one of the most clutch quarterbacks in the history of the NFL. Yeah, there were guys bigger than him, stronger than him, could run much faster than him, throw the football downfield further, have the more accuracy on his throws, all those kinds of things. But what Joe was, was he's a winner. And I'm not trying to compare Joe Montana to Desmond Ritter. I'm talking about the intangible aspects of Desmond Ritter, the intangible things that Joe Montana brought to a game I think that Desmond Ritter can bring those kinds of things to the football game. So I trust Desmond Ritter. I, he was my favorite draft pick from last year. I, I, I think he's got real potential. <clears throat> I, I've said on the podcast, you know, earlier over the last couple of weeks, I think he could be a 25 touchdown quarterback. I think when you look at the weapons that are around him, he could be 25 touchdowns. I don't think he's going to be a turnover machine like Marcus Mariota was. I don't think he'll run for the same amount of yards that Marcus Mariota did, but certainly he can get out of the pocket and he can use his legs to help you pick up yardage and first downs and help influence a game that way. But I I don't like the comparison necessarily, <clears throat> and I understand that they both played for Arthur Smith and you know Tannehill was looked at as a game manager. I think Desmond Ritter can be more than that. I think he can be a quarterback that is certainly – a more viable, better option than what Ryan Tannehill was to that club. You know, they had Derrick Henry, and they were and they were obviously a run-heavy team. So I, I understand why he's making those similar comparisons and profiling and stuff. But still, it, it, it's it's not a compliment to say that you're a poor man's Ryan Tannehill. I think I think Desmond Ritter is going to show people that he's going to be a much better quarterback than that. Again. Is he going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer? No, but he's got that intangible that I think is most important in a quarterback. He finds ways to win football games. He's a winner in football games, and that's the intangible that you need first and foremost. That's what separates a lot of the guys from the physical specimens to what have you. We've seen a lot of physical specimens that couldn't win a football game. Desmond Ritter is a winner. I like what we have in Desmond Ritter. All right, as you make Hitting Hard your first listen every day, make sure you go into whatever podcast platform that you're listening on and let us know that you're an everyday listener. So we thank you so much for being a part of our ever-growing community, but let us know that you're an everyday or go in the comments section of wherever you listen, YouTube, what have you. Go in there, let us know you're an everydayer, as we like to call them. You listen in every day, five days a week to the show. We thank you so much for being a part of our growing community. 
We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. So Matt Olson here is on the struggle bus uh, of late. This comes from one of my listeners, and, and he usually gives us pretty good, accurate information. But here's the numbers about Matt Olson. Matt Olson doesn't have a hit with runners in scoring position since April 28th. He's 7 for 45 with runners in scoring position this season. That's a three four, uh, sorry, a 156 on-base percentage, 344 on-base, 333 slugging, with a 678 OPS. In 45 at-bats, he's got two homers, a triple, 12 walks, and 20 strikeouts in that amount of time. And what's amazing is, is that a couple of things. One is, is Olsen and Riley have their struggles, and Olsen was 0 for 4 last night, so he's down to 230 for his batting average. Riley had a couple of hits last night, so He's kind of trying to figure some things out. But even with a couple of hits last night, he's only hitting 246. So a couple of our big boppers in the lineup haven't produced. But this team is still finding a way to win. And a lot of that has to do, to be honest with you, with the bottom of the order and the production that they're getting in their seven, eight, nine spots. We've seen Marcelo Zuna, Orlando Arcia, Michael Harris do some really good things offensively. That's really helped this club. And then obviously, Ronald Acuna is the MVP of the league right now. But it is amazing that Olsen has had his struggles because he's got plenty of opportunities to drive in runs because he's got the best leadoff hitter in baseball sitting right there in front of him. And we saw this last year with Matt Olsen that at times he struggled in that two-hole. Now, again, I don't know that they're going to change. Matt Olsen's one of the better on-base guys for the team. I don't know that they're going to change that lineup around. Snicker obviously is usually open to doing some changes. And he had Olsen hitting early in the year <clears throat> in the two-hole last year and decided to move him down. I still think that Matt Olsen profiles as a more 3-4 hitter in this lineup. That if you have a couple of guys, and, and last year was Ronnie and Dansby at the top of the order, right? Think if you have a couple of guys that get on base in front of them and can run around the bases and do all their different things. Olsen can clean that up. Now, he's struggling this year. He's struggling. And, again, when you look at just the kind of cursory numbers or surface numbers from Matt Olsen, they're not bad at all, right? I mean, the batting average isn't, isn't great for Matt Olsen, but, you know, he's got 11 homers and 30 RBI in basically a quarter of the season, right? So if you if you project that over, you know, a quarter of the way and, and what his numbers are going to be. You know, it's 40 homers and 120 RBI. I'm not worried about Matt Olson per se, but it is kind of glaring the fact that you have your number two hitter that, you know, isn't driving in runs at maybe the pace that he should be driving him in at. But again, this lineup and this team is still finding ways to win games. Even with the struggles of Olson and Riley in this lineup, and if you just look at the surface numbers, they're pretty good. But if you dive deeper into it, they're having some struggles. But it's a testament 
to how good, how deep the Braves lineup is. And we always talk about this, right? How deep the lineup for the Atlanta Braves is, that they have depth all up and down their lineup. All nine spots in their lineup have the ability to drive in runs, produce runs, steal bases. You know, they have so much flexibility within their lineup. So it, it's a testament to you can afford to have a Matt Olson and Austin Riley have some struggles because you've got the MVP of the league at the top of your order. You're getting great production out of Orlando Arcia. You're even getting some good things out of Marcelo Zuna. You're having a great year from Sean Murphy, who getting out of that godforsaken ballpark in Oakland is now able to kind of spread his wings and flex his muscles and become a real offensive threat. So if you look, you know, even with Austin Riley and Olsen struggling right now to drive in some runs, this team is still really good. Imagine what happens when Olsen figures some things out in that number two spot and, and he gets things cranked up and going. And I think Snicker likes him in that spot because he can get on base. You know, again, even for the struggles with runners in scoring position, he's finding a way to get on base. Even hitting 156 with runners in scoring position, he's still got a 344 on base percentage. That's pretty good considering he's hitting 156. It's a testament about how Matt Olson can find himself on base. You know, as a, you know, I'd, I'd love to see a guy like that in that two-hole spot have a little bit more speed, but Olson's having his struggles right now, driving in runs. And, and you know, again, when Ronnie's looking at trying to break the franchise record for runs scored, you know, it's, again, a testament to how good and how deep this lineup has been. So Olson will get himself out of this funk, if you will. I mean, you know, again, his his numbers overall look pretty good. I mean, if, again, if, you, if, if at the end of the year you profile that he's going to have 40 homers and 120 RBI, that's really good. Right, we'll, we'll we'll take that every year. If I could pencil my first baseman in to hit forty homers and drive in a hundred runs, we'll we'll pencil that in every single year. I'll be fine with that. But he is struggling right now to drive in runners, and he's not capitalizing on runners on base. And think about how if he gets that part of his game cranked up and going, and those things are ebbs and flows. Remember, we talked about this last year when the Braves had that big winning streak. That you saw the difference between. Runners on base, you know, when runners were in scoring position, how drastic the numbers were. They were hitting, what, in that in that long winning streak they had last year, it was like 90 points higher with runners on base than what they had hit. Well, I mean, again, if you're, if you're driving in runs with guys on base that, you know, are in scoring position, you're probably going to win a lot of ball games. That's kind of really simple math for you know, what, what a baseball team, I don't care what, I don't care what it is, what, what baseball team, it could be the nationals or whatever. You're, if you're hitting and producing with runners in scoring position, you're going to be a good ball club. But for right now, Olsen's having his struggles, but it is a testament to how good this team is, how deep their lineup is, how good everything around them is that when you have Olsen and Riley struggling right now, that those guys are still producing at a, at a really good level without necessarily being great with runners in scoring position. It, it is a testament to how good the Braves lineup really is. All right, well, thank you so much for making Hitting Hard with John Chuck where you first listen. Make sure you go in and leave us a comment in whatever platform that you're listening to. Let us know that you're an everyday listener. So 
we call them our everydayers. We thank you so much for being a part of our ever-growing community. But let us know that you listen in five days a week to the show, and we thank you for being a part of our ever-growing audience. We ask you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast. You can get the latest episodes of Hit and Hard as soon as they become available. Check us out on the SiriusXM app now. You can catch us there. And then give me a follow on my personal Twitter page. That would be at JMCH316. We'll be back with you tomorrow to wrap up the week. This has been Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked on Sports Atlanta. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 